Hi, this is Vanessa Taholka, and this is the podcast of Triple R's Bite Into It, a weekly radio show exploring tech news, broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Wednesday. Hope you enjoy the podcast, and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website or Bite Into It's Facebook or Twitter accounts. You're with Bite Into It with Joe. Hello. Hello. And uh, I'm Vanessa. We've also got Maze. Hello. And we have special guest. You might know him better from Breakfasters as the game reviewer, but he is indeed Adam Christou. Hello. Hi. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, my pleasure. It's We've been wanting excited. to make this happen for a while. I know. I'm here. I'm terrified. It's going to be fun. Oh, don't be terrified. We'll make it easy on you, Adam. So tonight is the beginning of our Melbourne International Games Week special. It's coming up next week. So we're getting in the mood with the local game makers behind Wayward Strand. So Mays will be doing double duty tonight, both as Bite mm-hmm. regular, but also as um, one of the makers of Wayward Strand. So we'll get to that a little bit later. Yeah, yeah. Very exciting. All right. First of all, we've got a bit of news for you as usual. Let's have a look at this. There is um, breaking news. It's been on a few different media outlets over the last couple of days that there has been a ransomware cyber attack on health providers across Victoria. Now, the Victorian government has been quick to say that they're um, hopping on this and trying to um, mitigate the, uh, the damage. But the ABC broke the news. Um, they understood that the cyber attack had involved health providers across Victoria, affecting Barwon Health and Gippsland Health, including hospitals in Geelong, Colac and Bairnsdale. And then the story sort of evolved from there. Um, there is, uh, there've been a series of comments. It's worth checking out the ABC to find out what the Head of Cyber Incidents and Emergency Management for the Victorian Government, David Cullen, had to say Um, about shutting down record systems to protect people's data and then what they're trying to do in the wake of that. I don't really want to share any more about that at this point because we don't want to spread any disinformation. So, yeah, just be aware if that's going on and maybe look that up if you're in those areas. What else is happening in news, Jo? Well, Pimboard on Twitter are reporting that Apple has or seems to have rejected an app that warns Hong Kongers about police activity. Now, it's a crowdfunded app that um, allows and consolidates reports about police activity, which, of course, is really important at this time of protests. And with high schoolers being shot by police and all sorts of things like this, it's a bit of a concern that um, that perhaps this could be censorship. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, there's definitely a track record of that there, uh, it's been interesting watching what's going on in Hong Kong um, being so difficult to share information coming out of there um, and also you know, seeing really creative responses to some of the tactics that the police have been using against their people. Um, yeah, so something to watch there. You always get emergent uses of technology where mm. there's, there's protests and activism um, and I think we can often learn a lot from that. If on its face value Apple has rejected this app, that seems a bit disappointing and I'd be interested to know Well, here's you know, hoping it's grounds. just an error. Yeah. Anyway, we'll hope to find out more about that. Um, in other news, Google contractors have finally voted to unionise in Pittsburgh. Yes, Woo! that's great. So there's about um, 80 of them who have done this and... So while not directly employed by Google, they are quite regular contractors, which is really common. A lot of game studios get contracted by Google as well. Mm. Um, And 
While a lot of Google's own employees have also been unionising, um, I think that's really helped them show solidarity and, and get these people up on their feet. Yeah, that's fantastic. The last yeah. 12 months have been a real um, moment for big tech workers to be coming together and unionising. So it's such it's a good awesome. sign. Yeah, yeah, and well overdue, you'd think. Yes, yes. And while the laws, federal laws in most countries aren't catching up quick enough, um, it is up to the workers to, mm. to make their own. Yeah, it's been impressive seeing them um, making stands on not just their rights within the companies, but also mm-hmm. um, their views on the sort of things that they're working on, um, particularly when they've had military contracts. Yeah, especially with Microsoft as mm-hmm. well, they've had walkouts around that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, go Google workers. Well done. And yeah. uh, contractors included. It's 7.07 on Triple R. We are going to be coming up with an interview with the makers of Wayward Strand. So stick around for that. This is a podcast from Triple R, an independent media organisation in Melbourne, Australia. Triple R is listener-supported radio and receives no direct government funding. If you would like to financially support Triple R by donating or becoming a subscriber, hit up the Triple R website to find out how. On Triple R, you'll bite into it, where Vanessa is almost awake, and that would be me, um, referring to myself in the third person. This is always a disturbing sign. Joe. You know, be my beacon of loveliness behind there. Let me hold it together. We have Adam and Mays on panel with us this evening, but Mays is working extra hard because they are also the composer and sound designer behind upcoming game Wayward Strand. We've also been joined in studio by producer of the game, Jason Backer. Welcome to you both. Hello. Thanks for having us. Look, we are very excited to be ahead of a story for once here and um, chatting to some makers before a game actually gets out there. It doesn't always happen as easily as you'd think. Um, but without spoilers, I wonder, Jason, could you describe the Wayward Strand game to us, please? Yeah, so um, the, the way that we basically describe it is that uh, Wayward Strand is our um, uh, empathetic and heartfelt interactive story about uh, Casey, a teenage girl who explores an airborne hospital and uh, gets to know the patients and the staff on board. So first of all, what is an airborne hospital? <laughs> well, um, it's Exactly like, what it sounds like. Yeah, Vanessa. yeah. It's a hospital in the air. <laughs> is it in a, a Hercules? You know, it's got those those double, you know, rotors going on. Yeah, well... That'd um, be pretty sick. That's... Uh, that's Wayward Strand too. <laughs> Wayward Strands. Yeah. So so it's in a uh, an airship that's being converted into uh, a, a hospital, basically. Um, and that kind of came out of us, like, looking into the history of airships and finding out how many um, had actually been lost at sea over, like, the years, mm. like, during the times when airships were being, like, constructed and flown around and used in like the world wars and that kind of thing i think it's an important note because without being able to share any of the visuals of the upcoming game yet and having not played it because it's not out yet uh, i think it's an important detail to sort of tease out the whimsical nature that this game seems to be promising us Uh, and there's you know beautiful kind of paint strokes going through the artwork and then you start to think of these details as being a little bit um poetic uh and then you've spoken about the uh, protagonist, Casey. Um, you didn't mention that Casey's surname is Bo Morris, which oh, yes. is another beautiful touch. Could you tell us a little bit about how your protagonist began to take form? Um, well, I think we were, um, from pretty early on, we were excited about um, 
having uh, like a protagonist that was a bit younger um, because what we were excited about exploring in a game was a limited uh, uh, sense of player agency. Like in a lot of games, you're like a big, like, you know, know, you're a superhero or if you start the game as like uh, somebody not very powerful, the game is all about going from not powerful to uh, being able to like save the world or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, And we were really interested in what, what happens when you make a game where the focus is on like less player agency, what does that allow in the rest of the game? And um, that was a big part of kind of making Casey like a 14 year old girl mm. in, a, in a hospital where, you know, it makes sense that uh, she is not going to have a lot of um, agency within that space. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's... I love that idea because we're often, we often experience that powerlessness in the world and even the control that we have is sometimes an illusion. You know, there's a whole, you know, religion based on that concept. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's a powerful thing to explore. Yeah, and I'm, I'm curious about it as well because when I think a lot about narrative games or storytelling games, they, they want to give you that idea of agency of here's all the multiple choices you can take. Maybe, you know, with a visual novel, you'll want to play through it four or five different times so you can lock, unlock all these different endings. And is that sort of the route that you're heading with this game or have you paired it all back and it's more sort of an experience where you're experiencing this story in a, in a position where you basically can't affect much change at all. You're pretty right, um, where the endings are not so different, but Casey does get the opportunity to get to know a lot of the residents. Um, so as in life, um, she can get to know them further and they'll open up to her and they might um, ask her help for things. Um, And also, you know, she's a bit of um, a Nancy Drew fan and she'll go um, and and investigate things that she's heard about. You know, someone might have mentioned, oh, there's a visitor or something. She'd be like, who is this person? Who's coming? And ask different people. Um, And on the ship, the residents have all of their own friendships and their own politics um, and own their own different ways that they get along. And as this young person who's come up to talk with them and keep them company for the weekend, um, you can start to create these links between them and ask them about each other. Mm. I like that a lot. And the Nancy Drew thing makes me think a lot about like childhood in particular. I noticed that this is set in the 70s. Mm-hmm. And so it was that why was the 70s picked? Was there a particular reason why that decade is is where you wanted this fantastical airship to kind of be floating in? Or, <laughs> Well, um, like a lot of it was just um, a kind of excitement about exploring that time period, uh, like in, in Australia, which is feels very rarely, if ever, explored in, in games in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was also partially uh, for reasons to like kind of... Um, have have a setting in which it makes sense for the characters to not be able to like be on their phones with each other or like um uh, uh it's also really interesting to me to be thinking about representing these people because a lot of the patients uh in their like uh, are older in their 70s or 80s it's really interesting for me to think about kind of writing these characters that I would never be able to meet uh, and and for us to be thinking about and creating these characters that are that you know none of us get the chance to um talk with anybody who would have been in their 80s in 1978 um but we're kind of trying to you know give a voice to that i guess generation um 
Yeah. So Maze, as the sound designer and composer mm. for the game, setting it in the 70s, I'm sure for you, wasn't just about shoehorning some Skyhawks tunes into the game. No, but that was a big part of the first <laughs> phase. <laughs> what um, approach did you take to designing the oral experience for your players? So we've been working on this game for three years now um, and that meant that the first iteration yeah I was looking at a lot of folk and music that was made in the time um, and trying to put my spin on that and then uh, the soundtrack totally changed into some more piano based thing and then now um, I think we're finally solidified well we should because we're running out of time um, <laughs> <laughs> the soundtrack to be quite acoustic guitar focused and quite um, intimate and even the way that it's recorded is quite close up and you can actually hear my breath sometimes just breathing along with while playing very um, nice it's, it's, a, it's, yeah. a, it's amazing it's a really oh, beautiful oh my god you know Vanessa did that earlier <laughs> <laughs> accidentally I can't believe it never occurred to me before or if it did I've forgotten it because it was so cringeworthy going to get so many tweets about this oh. the <laughs> um yeah there's even uh some magpies outside my window oh, that have great. made it in and like my fish moving around pebbles like just that really um really really sensitive intimate and you know almost as if casey could be playing this um yeah i'm really trying to get that sense of humanness coming through yeah i yeah. think that the sort of sounds you're describing can really build that sense of proximity to the game. Mm. Like even just being recorded up close, you do feel closer and, and more connected. Mm. Is is that something, that, you know, is there anything in there that you think is um, signatures of your work or do you um, really like to play to different things in different games? I've always made very clean music. Uh, the way that I mix has always been very clean. Mm. Um and I get that a lot. And uh, one producer that I worked for also described my sounds as lived in. Wow. Uh, which I thought Beautiful. really made sense um, in what I was trying to convey. So, yeah. But I have also, I've con collected a lot of Australian bird sounds from the Victorian coastline. So that's been really fun. Um, telling all our teammates to stop walking around because they're, sandy footsteps are getting in my recordings. <laughs> <laughs> wow, it sounds like a delightful experience of making that. So do you think Wayward Strand taps into a uniquely Victorian or indeed Australian experience in many ways? For sure. I mean, when I, also, when I mentioned, the, uh, you know, the Aussie coast, we're really actually talking about like Inverloch sort of area, Gippsland. Um, and we've been able to work with the Bonorong Land Council as well. Um, as well as the Wonthaggy Historical Society um, to get a lot of those land and historical stories in. Yeah, but also, like, it's full of Aussie accents and it's awesome. Like, we get to work with voice actors who are real old, which means they have had so many years of experience and they're amazing. So have you had the argument about whether to subtitle these accents for overseas uh, audience? We did have one American um, comment on the word brekkie. He said that uh, we were infantilizing breakfast. <laughs> oh, great. Apparently it sounds like that to an American audience. It sounds like baby speak or something when we say like avo or brekkie or whatever. Yeah, it's really strange to think about. 
That's amazing. Very interesting. Yeah. I don't know my – I mean, my opinion is that they're wrong. Um, <laughs> I don't know how to action that yet. <laughs> well, I guess that leads into, you know, how important is it to you that we tell Australian stories using Australian vernacular? I mean, uh, like, I think it's definitely important for, for um, creators to be doing in, like, all different mediums. And um, it's exciting to be part of uh, what feels like a – a, a bit of a movement in games to be telling Australian stories within games. Um, mm. Yeah, games like uh, Necro Barista, mm. um, which is just about to come out, I think, um, mm. is is very similarly like telling a story that's definitely set in Melbourne and not really anywhere else. And yeah, there's a few. Yeah, those zombies are very Melbourne. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, when you haven't had your coffee, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I kind of want to take it a few steps back before we were talking about the visual aesthetic of the game. And I'm, I'm although we're on like we're on radio, so it's, we can't show the game, but I'd like to have you describe a little bit about like the, the visual aesthetic of this game, the painterly form that it takes and the process that led up to, to coming up with that decision to go with an art style like that? Yeah, well, uh, I think a lot of it just comes out of us uh, being huge fans of um, a lot of uh, 2D art, uh, but then wanting to kind of, yeah, bring that into 3D games. Like it feels like not very many, um, or so many 3D games are trying to capture this kind of strange, realistic, hyper-realistic, um, like especially AAA games uh, style. Um, and we were just really excited about um, trying to bring a lot of more traditional art, um, uh, like, yeah, styles into, uh, yeah, into 3D. Yeah, And, and it's working more more effectively than I think we realize when we're on the inside is mm -hmm. that when people see the key art which is um, painted and then they see the trailer in the game they both have different art styles and they're painted with the gum trees it's very like ah oh, yes Australian yeah and then you see this 2D line art um, with the watercolor filled in and you're like oh it's a kid's book and you're like oh wow they're both they both bring me here and they ground me to here and it almost feels like a thematically links in as well with a with a protagonist that's 14 that's kind of bridging childhood into adolescence into adulthood to go with a style that feels like it kind of ties back to childhood books as well feels like it's a thematic link too can we steal that? That's great. Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> so your art director is Marigold Bartlett. Mm. Um, they've done beautiful work before. How did you connect with them and what was the brief or did they sort of shape that with you? It's It's been a super collaborative process, this entire um, game. And yeah, Goldie was on really early on and we have been basically collaborating ever since in trying to capture um, like the the best things uh, from her style, uh, like her 2D drawn style, and then also a lot of other really exciting influences. Mm. Um, yeah, it's been super collaborative. Um, part of what's exciting about the way that we've developed the game, and you know, part of this is actually all about how hard the Australian games industry is, is to be in, where we have to rely on funding grounds, but the fact that we've had breaks between times when we can develop has meant that 
we're able to learn and look back. Yeah, and reflect. Yeah. So you think your capabilities kind of been stepping up while you're going through this process? Mm. Definitely. And it's also just part of our values that we want each other to be excited about what we're doing. Mm. And part of that is pushing yourself and learning and, mm. yeah. That's a real silver lining to the staggered progress. That's that's great to hear. And I think um, it's it's fantastic seeing Goldie's work on this game too because I'm not super familiar with all of their work and I can really say that the stuff I've seen before has been has had a bit of a pop art aesthetic and, mm. and some other things going on. And so for me, this seemed like a really radical shift, but like equally beautiful, equally mm. um, impactful. And, uh, and that's, that's pretty powerful stuff. Mm. So where can people find out more about Wayward Strand? Cool. Yeah. So we uh, like we just launched a fancy brand new website at uh, waywardstrand.com. Uh, and then we, we were also uh, selective for the PAX Australia Indie Showcase, uh, Yeah, which is happening uh, from the 11th to the 13th. So definitely come by if you're there. Yeah, we'd Next love to weekend. see you and yeah, play, that's the, fantastic. play the game. Is that at the Melbourne Convention Centre? Yeah, 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 the Convention Centre, yeah. Jeff yeah. Shedd, that's the one we're thinking mm-hmm. of. Fantastic. I like to call it that still. It helps me remember which one it is. And what about if people are on Steam? Yes. So you can wishlist Wayward Strand on Steam now. So if it, if this sounds exciting to you, like definitely jump on there and add it to your wishlist. And uh, then you'll know when the when the game, uh, yeah, when the game is out. And then also if people... you'll help us with the Steam algorithm. Yes. <laughs> Love that. So go and wishlist Wayward Strand on Steam and people can follow you on Twitter for updates. Uh, yes, just Wayward Strand on Twitter and on Facebook as well. Yeah. And Beautiful. you can join our Discord where we check in and, and post um, photos of awful 70s food. Um, and it's very hilarious and <laughs> not delicious at all. <laughs> I didn't even think about the food aspect of, you know, a floating hospital has its own challenges, right? It's going to be a lot of stuff in aspic. Oh, uh, aspic yeah. all the way. A lot, of, <laughs> a lot of soup. A lot of soup, surprisingly. Ah, yes. Loving it. (laughs) All right. Well, um, Jason Backer and Maze Wallen, thank you so much for giving us um, the story behind Wayward Strand. We look forward to its launch. Thanks. Pleasure. Independently yours, Triple R. 102.7. Triple R's bite into it. You're with uh, Vanessa, Joe, Adam, Mays, and our special guest, Jason Backer from the Wayward Strand team. Thanks for joining us. We are halfway through our um, pre Melbourne International Games Week special. All games, maximum games chatter, and uh, Adam is the Breakfasters Games reviewer, and we have just borrowed and lassoed his talent in here for an evening. So, Adam, thanks so much for joining us. Tell us what you're excited about that's coming up. Tell us all the things. Let's let's walk through slowly. Hello. There we go. Uh, I'm excited. It's going to be great. Melbourne International Games Week starts, I believe, this Saturday. Runs yeah. until the 13th. Uh, there is a whole heap on. Um, I come from the world of playing lots of games, not so much creating them or being inside the dev scene. Um, we need and, fans. Like, there needs to be fans too. I'm a fan also. Yeah, so it's it's an interesting week of, of things to do 
if you're a fan of games and you play a lot of games and you're curious about how games are made as well because there's a lot of things here for kind of like the general public to kind of go along to a lot of opportunities for people to interact with the games dev scene and to actually experience and understand the creative process behind games and then just some stuff that's like pure fandom kind of madness as well so. some of the stuff that i love about um, melbourne international games week is that you see a lot of young people bringing along a parent or a grandparent or an interested aunt or auntie someone in their life trying to get them to understand why they're so passionate about games and you can really see all of these click moments happening for people where they're like oh this is such a bigger scene of cultural product than i thought it was you know yeah and and you know it's it's interesting i i tell this story a lot my mum got me into games when i was a kid she would play wolfenstein and doom like non-stop it's really badass mum that's that's my childhood memories is her just like shooting Nazis like in blue corridors Respect. for like hours on end. <laughs> and, um, you know, she doesn't play much games anymore. These days it's more like Sudoku kind of word games, sort of match two, match three sort of stuff on iPad. But I feel like there's some interesting things happening in games now that I think she would really like. And I think events like this provide the opportunity to kind of dive headfirst in if you're curious about what's going on and want to experience a few things. So. Um, in the world of highlights, I thought the first one that's kind of interesting, if you have ever wanted to create something or, or get involved in making games, is a, a free opportunity to get involved in a hackathon. So Amazon is hosting the Alexa Games Hackathon across two days on Saturday the 5th to Sunday the 6th of October. It's free at their offices. Um, and it brings together games dev industry with the general public to create games using the Alexa kit. So that's the uh, the surveillance capitalism uh, <laughs> microphones that you can put in your house and be like, hey, Alexa, listen to all my private conversations, but also order my pizza. It's tricky, right? Because there's always inherently these tensions between who has the power and the agency in the in hackathons and you know who's getting the IP at the end of it. Whereas it's also, it can be a great opportunity to meet interesting people, to collaborate on something, often to access new tech, which is a bit of the draw card here, to see the, the software developer kit side of the Alexa um, machine. Uh, yeah, I think for the right people, that can be a great opportunity, but uh, there's definitely going to be some serious game people who are poo-pooing that, that <laughs> concept, Adam. <laughs> Maybe. Oh, I'll be there. I'm going to make a game about being an Amazon factory worker and unionizing your workmates i think that would be fantastic i can't wait to see the voting mechanism that you're they employ hero. and how far you get through <laughs> and i, I will win mate. all the prizes <laughs> yeah and then you'll never be able to use them <laughs> adam what else do we have on your list of interesting things going on well, also happening this weekend and this is more of like a, a kind of industry side thing is high score so that's uh that's the annual conference for people who compose music for games there's a whole bunch of interesting uh people coming down to speak at high score including the mai matsume from capcom who is famous for the legendary Mega Man series scores um, as well as Game Boy composer Chipsul, who's coming down and did the soundtrack to the recently released uh, Dicey Dungeons, which was a really great, I guess it's like... I have a... clocked 96 hours already. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I have one unlock and then I get the last character. That is 
I am 30 hours in and losing my mind. Wow, what a testimonial. It's it's just this wonderful deck-building roguelike that hides the fact that it's that thing until you're about 10 hours in and go, oh, I've been collecting cards this whole time and didn't realise it because there's dice involved. That every character is so different and also there's this really sassy narrative where people are just like really taking the piss out of you and it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's set in an alternative reality where people go into a game show to to get their hopes of their dreams but what they don't realize is they're signing up to eternal damnation <laughs> and then there's Lady Luck who runs the game show. She's fantastic. It's beautifully designed. It's got some incredible artwork, but the soundtrack is phenomenal as well and Chipsa will be here in Melbourne. So if you're interested in their music and what they create, they're speaking at high score, which is really cool. Great. Um, we've got more industry stuff with the Game Connect Asia Pacific. Uh, so G Pat Cap G Cap. Yeah. So hard to say. Um, that's happening from Monday to Wednesday, and that's a real big games dev conference. I might pass over to these two to oh, actually talk about what yeah, happens there. Yeah. Well, G Cap. Um, I guess uh, it's kind of just like a where a bunch of the Australian games industry kind of gets together and uh, there are a heap of talks um, on various different topics from art and design and business and uh, a shameless plug but me and Maze are actually doing a talk on the Monday at 2 p.m. on uh, uh, co-ops and how to basically set up your um, group of game developers as a co-op and um, it's going to be pretty exciting. Fantastic, because often people have all the creativity and the ideas and some of the skills, but they, you know, they're not there because they actually have an interest in how to organise a business or an or some sort of organisation or a co-op, and just even getting the basics um, sorted and learning a few best practices can be so helpful. Uh, yeah. Was there anything like this around for you when you when you kicked off, or did you have to find your way in the dark? No, well, that's part of the problem is that um, it's really easy to set up a company structure, um, and the structures in Australia are really well supported for that. And especially in game development, um, setting up a co-op is slightly tricky, um, and we're really hoping that this will help other developers learn how to do it, but also with uh, working with some of the national co-op bodies, um, they'll know how to deal with game developers as well. Great. Yeah, uh, so that's uh, G-Pack, G-Cap. I'm never going to say it right, G-Cap. <laughs> it's like a hat. Um, so that's happening from Monday the 7th to Wednesday the 10th of October. Um, another cool event that I thought was really interesting that's coming up, which is free, um, it's Acme's Women and Non-Binary Gamers Club, which happens quite regularly, but they've got a special Melbourne Games Week edition of their regular meeting. Um, so you just have to book online to head along to that. And they have got Victoria Tran, who is uh, the comms director of Kit Fox Games, who are involved with Dwarf Fortress and a whole bunch of other things, but are also working on an upcoming game called Boyfriend Dungeon, which I've been following. <laughs> Following for a while, so Boyfriend Dungeon... That could go in so many directions, Adam. Tell us. <laughs> okay, it's it's a dating sim visual novel game, but it's also a roguelike dungeon crawler and you date your weapons. Um, and so there's a whole variety of different weapons that you can date. Roguelikes are my favourite genre. It's pretty, it looks pretty great. Um, the footage looks fantastic. It looks really fun. Um, wow. You'll be able to play it at that, at that club as well, so you'll be able to test it. I assume that means it'll be at PAX as well, so it might be there too. Um, and Victoria Tran's also going to be on a panel on Thursday that Creative Victoria are hosting called The Emperor's New Woes, Why Are We Ignoring Fashion in Games? That brings together a whole bunch of different voices to talk about the intersection between video games and games and the fashion industry. 
Um, maybe they'll talk about how Lightning from Final Fantasy 13 ended up as like a... <laughs> was she like on Chanel or, or she was like a model for some... Maybe it was Prada. It was Prada handbags or something like that. But Final wow. Fantasy had a crossover with labels. It was weird. What was um, that immersive world that lots of people were part of? And I want to Second say, Life. Second Life, where people actually made a lot of money selling fashion, designing fashion, selling. It was a huge thing. It's, it's funny how these things are, are cyclical and now we're coming back to a let's make fashion good in games again. Yeah. And, and I always, I'm always interested in character designing games mm. and, and bad clothing in games as well. And just like belt buckles everywhere. And that was like a thing about 10 years ago in games where everyone had a belt buckle in an inappropriate place. So. I think my favorite version of that is when you're in car games and you're customizing your vehicle like that is the same feeling as doing the wardrobe stuff but it's just with car features fantastic customizing characters in games is a really special experience um i've been replaying xcom 2 recently which has a real great kind of soldier customization option pick all their outfits put nice hats on them you know what what color will their armor be and I, <laughs> I'm, I, yeah i'm interested in the idea of the intersection between fashion and games uh so that is something that is happening on thursday it's free as well i have often gotten to the point of spending so much time designing and customizing and then just like not actually being interested in playing the game. I think this is what um, Adam and I like to discuss when we're, when we're talking about playability of games. It's that emergent narrative idea. Adam, do you want to unpick that concept a little bit? Yeah, I, I think one of the things that people forget about with games is some of the best moments of playing games are the stories that come out of a game that you share with someone that you talk about with and you know the goose game that's happening at the moment untitled goose game a melbourne-based game here that has just taken over the internet and the world by storm is Hulk. doing that because the stories <laughs> are so compelling it's and yeah you honk it's, it's pretty sound good. design it's pretty simple but it's it's those sorts of <laughs> moments <laughs> we're all obsessed <laughs> Oh, I love that game. Um, but yeah, it's it's the amazing ability to kind of say, I had the most weirdest experience when I was playing World of Warcraft the other week. You would not believe the gnome that I bumped into. And then this happened. <laughs> and, and it's always they... when you're off mission, right? It's yeah. when you're just exploring and doing something for your own fun. Or you'll just like come across someone in a corner of the world in the game that you're playing in, just doing something that makes no sense whatsoever. And it just feels like shareable and you want yeah. to tell people about it. It's like... It's like going out into the city and ending up at a weird bar. It's why you've Twitch, got a good story to share. Yeah, it's why Twitch, the game streaming uh, platform, is just so popular. Mm. Yeah. Mm. What's next on your list of wonderful things, Adam? Well, this isn't an official event, but I think it's a pretty important one, which is the Game Workers Unite are having a Melbourne International Games Week social, which is happening on Friday, October the 11th at 6.30pm at the Boat Builders Yard in South Wharf. And it's an opportunity to meet with Game Workers Unite members and organisers from across Australia for drinks and to talk about unionisation in games, which I think is hyper important. We're currently trying to figure out um, what songs we should all learn to sing on the night because there are a whole lot of really old 80-year-old trade union songs and yeah. they're really bland and white and sexist. And, uh, chip-tune really... them. Chip-tune them? Yeah. I mean, there's a particular Rihanna song about someone having their money that I really want to play. <laughs> yes. Yeah, bring it up to date, mate. Turn it into a union song, yes. I'm still yeah. dated. I still go straight to Billy Bragg when you tell me about, you know, like union movement songs. Me too, but, but we're children of the 80s. And his, his latest on Brexit is actually fantastic. Yes. Worth listening mm. to. Maybe the Trades Hall Choir can, can come on down and, and help out with a few few options. Mm. Yeah. Um, 
Misadventures in Little Lon is is a thing that's happening as part of Melbourne Music Week. So that is um, a true crime mysteries, Misadventures in Little Lon. It's an alternate reality game, an app that you can download to your phone, um, which you then play in the city. So you wander around parts of Little Lonsdale and interact with virtual characters who talk to you and you unpack a, a true crime story set in the past. Yeah. Um, uh, we'll be speaking to a couple of the makers of that experience next week on Byte. So tune in for that to hear that unpacked in a lot more detail. Yeah, and you can pretty much do that all Melbourne International Games Week. You can hop into the city, take an umbrella if it looks like it's going to rain. There is a launch event happening for it on Sunday, the 6th of October from 1pm at the State Library. So if there's a specific day that you really want to go in and check it out, that's probably the one to do. Um event that I'm pretty stoked about that I think is going to be one of the most easy to access ones because it's not in a physical space, it's on the internet, is the Melbourne Queer Games Festival, which is launching on Tuesday, the 8th of October online and on the internet. Um, So there'll be a whole bunch of awesome queer games from all over the world um, and from Australia as well that you can explore and play. Um, there'll be a live stream and a few other things happening as well, um, but it's a really awesome curated list. Of so have you got that website? Um, that or is, is it just, good... we, do we just search for it? What is it? Melbourne Queer? I feel like it's melbournequeergamesfestival.com.au, Melbourne, yeah. but I could be wrong. Um, we'll tweet it. Yeah, there's a few There's a few good games happening on it. There's one that I, I had the chance to play a little bit early called Do I Pass, uh, which is by Taylor McHugh, and it's a visual novel about playing as a trans woman um, and being worried about if you pass or not on public mm. transport. And so the game is uh, designed to build and run on Game Boy emulators and uses an old school sort of 8-bit Game Boy graphics effect. Um, and it, it, the character in the game stumbles across a website full of shamanic spells and, and just Wiccan spells, essentially, mm. to, to cast and finds a spell about that allows you to kind of disconnect from your body and read people's thoughts as a ghost. And so it's about the experience of doing that on public transport and how that feels. And it's a really kind of visceral and intense game, but also a really kind of tongue-in-cheek game as well. It has a very power, multiple endings, quite powerful as well, and it has some content warnings, oh, that sounds warnings brilliant. around it too. Really what, cool. What a nice sort of am- empathetic antidote to some things I've been seeing on Twitter today where people are talking about, once again, someone's tried some facial recognition AI sort of thing to mm-hmm. determine who's gay or not based on their face. And the best response I saw to it was phrenology. People have invented <laughs> phrenology again. <sighs> I just thought, yes. Perfect. Fantastic. 2019, we still are interested in face and head and skull size. It's so wild. Yeah. Yeah. It is wild. Um, Yeah. um, There's another great game that um, has also been announced. It's going to be part of the Melbourne Queer Games Festival, which is a game by Pretzel called Pact, which looks really cool. And so it's, it's PC only and you need to have a controller and one person holds one side of the controller and another person holds the other. So it's a co-op game. Um, and you're solving kind of puzzles and riddles using both sides of the controller so that you can speak with demons and devils who will answer questions about your future and your destiny. And it's an exploration <laughs> of queer identities being demonized, but then this idea of empowering that demonization by saying, mate, what if it's the demons and the otherworldly creatures in the world that are actually on your side? And it's the things that make the rest of society afraid that are actually empowering and powerful. Wow, and I'm getting you as a serious Buffy vibes. Mm. But even Mary Shelley, you know, is the monster really the monster? You know, mm. very good. Uh, Adam, is that the end of your list? I don't want to cut you off. There's more. Yeah, tell us. <laughs> we tell should us. talk about parallels. Oh, cool. Yeah, so Parallels is uh, the Free Play 2019 showcase. So Parallels has been running for a few years now. And um, it's a great night to go out and discover 
a bit about the awesome games that are happening here, but also how the ideas behind them and how they come together. So it's a showcase night of over a dozen plus games and one or two of the people behind those games talking about their creative vision for it, maybe playing a little bit about that game as well. It's quick fire, it's really fast, and it's happening at the Capitol Theatre on Thursday, October 10th. And, uh, We're lucky that uh, Jason and I have worked on a couple of these games. Not together, though. Um, yeah. Wayward Strand was really lucky to be in the last or the one before last. One before last. Mm. Yeah. Parallels. Yes. Yeah, so free play is really dear to our hearts. Um, Paint Game by Max Myers I was able to work on and did the music for. It's this beautiful um, 3D game where you walk around a um, totally blank white world and then you paint you take a 2d still and you paint it with all of these beautiful colors and then you go back to 3d and you walk through it and all of your colors warp and it's this beautiful seaside so there's waves and there's some lovely surf music as well that sounds brilliant and jason is also in yes so uh me and uh clonica quickly collaborated on a this uh kind of weird glitchy car heaven uh, driving game, which is just like a a multiplayer party game. Test drive taught me to drive, Jason. Tell me more. (laughs) Well, this game will teach you to glitch. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) So, yeah, it's just like a a game that we made for a party uh, that was happening last year and um, uh, where you're just like up to four players can drive these cars and just um, make tracks and glitch out and just have a heap of fun. Yeah. Oh, that sounds right up my alley. What's it called? Uh, Need for Billion Speed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so if you want to find out more about Need for Billion Speed, go to Parallels, uh, check it out. Um, there's a bunch of other great games and, and talks happening as well. Um, Is that billion a reference to the billion modem? Uh, no. Okay. Sorry. Just checking. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Works on so many levels. Yeah. <laughs> Loving your stuff. Um so Parallels, you mentioned that uh, Wayward Strand had been there a couple of years ago. Is that common for the lead time? You know, are people getting a sneak peek at Parallels into games that are actually not going to be out immediately? Yeah, there are some sneak peeks and there are some games that have already been released. Uh, but um, like for each of them, you're getting the creators just like kind of behind the scenes, personal um story uh, like a little story about how they how they made it an insight into why they made it Mm -hmm. and it's a like it's it's usually a very personal kind of story that each of these creators are telling i'm sold all right brilliant adam thanks so much for walking us through such a huge range of melbourne international games week events are we at the end of your list? Yeah, that, that's it. There's, All right. there's heaps more, but yeah. I hate pleasure. to cut you off. Look, I hope people enjoy exploring the program and everything that's on. You can see that we've got some incredibly warm and talented people involved, so well worth giving them your time. Something else that might be worth a little of your time is that Helsinki has a very creative campaign out at the moment. They have decided that they are the first um, city as a service. So Helsinki have launched a campaign and they're asking what is the most tech-savvy city on this planet? They don't know, but Helsinki has just become the world's first city as a service. You can apply for a free demo and enjoy an unforgettable trip to Helsinki. So as well as selling all of the benefits of Helsinki and how tech-savvy it is, 
there um they have an apply for a free demo trip thing that's going for November. So if you happen to be free sometime in November, you should definitely head to HelsinkiAsAService.com and apply for a free trip there. I've been, it's a brilliant city. It indeed is highly tech enabled and um, there's a lot of great things to explore there. Uh, but it's it's quite fun too to see them talking about their city as an experience in a software sense. And they're also mentioning that things there aren't perfect and so they have a list of bugs and you can report a bug in Helsinki and they suggest that some of those might be, you know, midnight sunshine and, you know, cold weather in the middle of winter. Surely that's a feature. That's what they say too. Well, like I was wondering because often when you get a free service like technology, like it's not really free, you're paying for it in some other way, you're paying for it with your data, you're paying for it uh, with like giving, yeah, giving them more information or them more stuff. And so I was wondering what Helsinki's, uh, what what they were getting out of their service. And I guess it's, yeah, tracking down these bugs. They've had a lot of quotes from people who are tech founders within the country. So there's a a company called smartly.io and they have a quote from them saying, Helsinki is like playing a city as a game at the easiest level. It's just, you know, everything's like easy here. And I'm just like, oh, it's beautiful. It's such a well thought out campaign um, and it's it's pretty delightful. But it's also interesting to see um, a city really trying to drive visits from tech savvy people with a view to try it out, maybe move here for a little while, get some work done. They've got amazing universities. They've got an amazing startup, tech-based community. I don't know. It's a pretty interesting um, approach to growing their um, ICT sector. So I thought creative, I'd love to see this sort of thing in Melbourne also. Um, We could be Melbourne as a service. Speaking of things that make Melbourne a livable city, uh, Melbourne Music Week's coming up and um, the musical composer of um, the soundtrack to Ape Escape is coming in his capacity as a house producer. That's um, Soichi Tarada and he is playing on the 23rd of November at the um, hub for Melbourne Music Week and I am so going to have a dance. That sounds brilliant. We should go together. Yes, Um, come with me. Love it. Love it. It's right up our alley here. House music and game composition. All the things we love. Uh, big thank you to our guests this evening, Jason Backer and Maze Wallen from Wayward Strand. Do check out that upcoming game, wishlisted on Steam. Do what you have to do. We also want to say a massive thank you to Triple R's own Adam Christou. Thank you for being the Breakfasters game reviewer and um, always bringing a lot of delightful tech radio to air. My pleasure. Thanks, Joe, for pushing our buttons with our new system and everything. It's always a pleasure. I've been Vanessa. Uh, we've been bite into it. We'll be back next Wednesday evening. Triple R on FM, digital, online, via the app. Hi, this is Vanessa Taholka. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Triple R's Bite Into It, a weekly radio show exploring tech news. Broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Wednesday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via Triple R's website or bite into its Twitter or Facebook accounts.